The one thing that I believe would work everywhere is fighting. Because it doesn't matter what color you are, what country you come from, or what language you speak. We're all human beings and fighting's in our DNA, man. We get it and we like it. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to this week's episode of The Wocast, powered by Middle Easy. Now, no G this week as she has taken a well-earned rest on her 25th birthday. Belated happy birthday to you, G. I know you're listening to the show with your feet up on that uh, on that flight back from Belize. Well, the good news is she will be back later on in this week, but we've got a show to actually crack on with. Kairos will be joining us as will Chisanga Malata and Scott Lagden from Bloody Elbow. We'll be joined by guests Scott Askham and Michael Dubois, both of which will be seen on this forthcoming card this coming Saturday, KSW 52, because December is basically packed and stacked uh, with promotions basically seeking to leave 2019 on a high. And um, this week is pretty stacked as we've got one FC on the 4th of December, then again on the 6th of December. But also on the 7th of December, we've got Brave CF. We've also got UFC DC. And like I mentioned earlier, KSW 52. Now, any of the talking points which actually occur on this week's WOCast, you can actually debate, you can join in the discussion with me via Twitter, and that is at MikeWoTV. So, before we actually get on with the matter at hand, um, basically, November ended with a slew of announcement. In terms of uh, matchups and uh, intriguing matchups, as it were, here to talk about um, a selection is UK journalist for the Daily Star and Daily Express, Chisanga Malata. Last week was a very big week in terms of fight announcements for mixed martial arts and particularly the UFC. And probably one of the biggest weeks for fight announcements that I can remember for a long time uh, Sadiq Yusuf versus Andre Feely was announced for UFC 246, and no doubt that fight is going to be absolutely fire. Also announced for the card was Tim Elliott versus Askar Askarov. And um, for those of you who've forgotten Tim Elliott, Tim Elliott took Mighty Mouse to a, a closely fought decision at the Tough 24 finale nearly nearly three years ago today, actually. Um, but of course, the biggest news of the week were the announcement. Well, were the announcements of a. Conor McGregor's return to the octagon and that Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson will try to do it for a fifth time in April. Now, both of these announcements were monumental in their own in their own rights. Um, but for me, the one that tipped it in uh, in terms of magnitude has to be Khabib versus Tony. Khabib versus Tony has been on the cards for well over four years now. Habib and Tony have been scheduled to fight each other a staggering four times and in the eyes of many fans is a, a, a mythical unicorn of a fight. Now for me I'm just hoping that I'm praying I'm crossing all fingers and toes and every part of my body that I can cross that this fight will come to fruition on April 18th in Brooklyn which will be nearly four and a half years to the day that they were first slated to meet one another. Now when you think of the matchup in terms of styles between Habib versus Tony, 
this is a fascinating one, a, a truly fascinating one, because Khabib's obviously, obviously everyone knows his style is to take everybody down to the floor or press them up against the cage before doing that and then take them down to the floor. But he's never fought anybody who's going to attack him off their back like Tony will, who will actively throw up submissions, who will seek to land elbows from full guard and will be comfortable having Habib on top of them raining down hellfire. And the example that I use to uh, to attest to that fact is Tony's performance against Kevin Lee at UFC 216, which he, in which he won the interim lightweight title. Lee, of course, mounted him in the first in the first round. And came close to finishing Tony, but he remained calm, remained cool and collected. And after Lee took him down again, I do believe it was the third round. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He finished him off his back with a triangle choke. I can foresee Tony pulling out a repeat performance on April 18th and shocking the world with a submission victory over Nurmagomedov, which proves that he's the best lightweight on the planet. Now, I could be wrong and Khabib could maul him like he's done to everybody else, but I really do foresee Tony causing him significant problems on the ground. Moving on to the bigger announcement in, well, if you're a casual or if you're in the mainstream media, Conor McGregor's return to the Octagon. We'll see him take on Donald Cowboy Cerrone at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas on January 18th. Now, the decision for Conor to fight Cowboy is a perplexing one for me if he's really, truly desperate to reclaim the lightweight throne. If he was desperate to do that, why not take on the informed Justin Gaethje, who's won his last three in a row, all by KO, and is, in many people's eyes, the most dangerous lightweight other than Khabib. But you can see why he's opted not to take that fight. Gaethje likes to take his opponents into deep, deep waters, into the trenches, and perhaps he didn't want any of that smoke, to quote what the kids would say nowadays. But in Donald, I think he foresees an aging fire. Obviously, Donald lo- just lost to Gaethje uh, a couple months ago. I think he sees an aging fighter who he thinks he can get an easy W against. But let's not forget that prior to losing to Tony Ferguson and to Gaethje, Donald was on an absolute tear. He took out Mike Perry, the trash-talking Alexander Hernandez, and of course, the always-game perennial contender Al Iaquinta. So there's definitely life still left in the old dog. And if McGregor thinks that this is an easy fight for him to come back in and get a highlight reel KO, then I think he's sorely and sadly mistaken. That being said, I do slightly favor him this fight because he's a notoriously fast starter. Sorry for using the pun notorious and notoriously there. That was completely intentional. He's a notoriously fast starter. And Donald, we as we all know, is susceptible to starting off slowly. So... If Connor can come out early, can get the reads on Cowboy, then perhaps we could see a KO in the first or second round. But as I said beforehand, this is no easy fight for Connor. And if it goes to the ground, we all know that Cowboy's jiu-jitsu is absolutely flames. So it could be night-night for Connor and he could be forced to tap out again. All right, that's all from me, Chisanga Malar of the Daily Star and Daily Express. Thanks for your time, guys, and enjoy the rest of the show. Basically, considering that, you know, what Chisanga was actually saying about um, casuals and hardcore fans, I, I thoroughly agree with. But I feel that it's a bit bigger than people are giving it credit for. As a media owner, I know for a fact that, you know, not only has it got a, a massive impact on casuals and hardcore fans, but also media owners and journalists alike. 
When McGregor's name is in the frame, whether it be a headline or whether it be a video, whether it be a piece of audio, the impact is astronomical. The first video I've ever been a part of in terms of producing, directing, editing and filming actually reached 1.8 million views. Now, the key subject of that an interview, snippets of his fights put together as a mini documentary. Yep, you guessed it, Conor McGregor. I think the McGregor effect is going to be felt in his forthcoming return to the cage, whether that be audio, whether that be video, whether that be website clicks, because of the fact that, you know, actually he is a compelling character. He does actually draw eyes to the sport. Here to actually expand upon McGregor's return is Kairos. First and foremost, I want to wish a very, very, very happy belated birthday to my sister from another mister, Gina! Gina! I am so happy we share the same birthday. Like I told you, we're getting that MMA cookout together. We're getting everybody in New York. We're watching an event. We're going to drink. We're going to have fun. Oh, my goodness. I'm excited. I am excited. But... We got some news to talk about. Yes, it is the return of the Mac. I don't know if you guys are excited. I'm sure excited to see him compete. You guys know how I feel about his whole current situation, though. I talked about it on episode 131, I believe. So I'm not going to reiterate that. I'm just going to talk about what we have to talk about. Now, surface level, when I first saw this matchup, I thought that Connor was ducking Justin Gaethje. And that's not completely false, but at the same time, it's not completely true. One person told me that what if Connor is trying to play chess right now? He's trying to beat Donald at 170 pounds so that he can wiggle his way into fighting for the BMF title with Jorge Masvidal, then using that to negotiate a fight for the 155 pound title. Now, if that's his goal, I think that's a pretty brilliant plan because it's a lot lower risk than fighting Justin Gaethje off of a one year layoff. But let's just say for argument's sake, he gets through Donald Cerrone. Now you have to fight Jorge Masvidal at 170 pounds that is a harder fight than Habib Nurmagomedov at 155 pounds in my opinion just because of the size discrepancy I'm like some of you guys might disagree with me some of you guys might not I'm just saying a fight with Jorge Masvidal is just dangerous I I really do believe that and get this there are even people suggesting that Connor is taking this fight and then trying to fight Jorge next in hopes of fighting for the 170 pound title listen I don't see him having much success against Jorge if he was to score off against him. And I don't see him having much success against Usman or Covington, depending on who wins that fight either. I just think if you're going to do this, fine. Fight Donald, then maybe try and get that fight with Habib or take a little another low-risk fight at 155 pounds. But if you're thinking of going through Donald Cerrone, then Jorge Masvidal, then back down to Habib, you're trying to do A plus B plus C equals D. I don't think you can get through C to get to D. But, you know, maybe he'll shock us. But I'm not a believer in this current situation that he could beat Jorge Maslow. Maslow has momentum, he has size, and he has a lot of experience and activity behind him. Those are a lot of issues that you have to overcome to beat somebody, and I just don't see it. What do you guys think? Do you think he's trying to play chess and leverage his way into fighting for the 155-pound title or maybe the 170-pound title? Or do you think this whole strategy of fighting for the BMF title is something that's just not going to work out or he's not even interested in. Thank you all so much. Have a blessed day. It's very rare that I agree with Kairos's corner, but I think, you know, he's interpreted my thought, my feelings on McGregor's return perfectly. Now, moving on to this week's key card, which we're going to focus on from Europe. 
Um, the perspective that I really want to give you on KSW 52 is around KSW, first of all. I really do feel there are a number of promotions pushing themselves as the leading light, the standard bearers of mixed martial arts in Europe. And I really do feel that KSW fit this mould in a massive way. Not only do they put bums on seats, not only do they fill stadiums, not only do they actually provide a compelling build-up and a story for their athletes, they really do um, have a high sense of, well, the importance of production values. Now, I spoke to one half of this Saturday's main event, Scott Askham, who basically is a key figure, I feel, in um, KSW's UK contingent, um, in terms of fans, that is, UK contingent of fans getting a keen interest in the promotions. But speaking of key figures, he faces KSW's mainstay until he actually um, took a break from the promotion, Mamed Kaladov. And uh, he joins me now on the Worldcast. I mean, I think the last time we spoke, we spoke about a different Scott Askham. Now, what's keeping that momentum going? What's keeping that train rolling? What's keeping that um, new breed of uh, fighter that we've come to know and love of late? Um, it's, that's that's a tough one to answer. I, I, like uh, I know what like people say. Some people say that like the kids motivate them and stuff like this. Uh, it's it's not. It, it really is not. Not that for me. Um, I suppose it is in a way, but um, it's just a job to me, really. I, I obviously it's a job that I love doing. Um, I've still got goal, goals myself that I want to achieve. Do you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm still trying to achieve them goals. And that's what keeps me motivated. And I mean, just on those goals, you've I would say made waves since you've joined KSW. You've done exceptionally well. And uh, I have to say to a lot of doubters who, um, you know, had, had sort of written you off when you left the UFC. Now, in terms of your goals, what is it coming up to 2020 now? You must have a fresh horizon of things, objectives, um, themes and narratives that you want to fulfil. Yeah, obviously, Kalinov's been in my sights for close to two years now. Um, so... Beating Kalidos is a short-term goal, obviously. Um, but I'm just, I'm just out here trying to prove I'm one of the one of the best fighters in the world. World each time I go out there, that's that, that's that's the goal. Uh, obviously, when I got cut from UFC, like like you say, a lot of people lost belief in me and stuff like that. And, and to be honest with you, I see why. My performances in the UFC were, were dog shit. <laughs> 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 I was um, fighting a countering style, which which weren't really working for me and I, and I was losing decisions uh, now I've got a style that wins rounds but also with that it's, um, it's coming big knockouts so um, I, I really have changed my striking style while I was in the UFC I, I, uh, I had a grappler looking after my striking do you know what I mean and uh, and I know like uh, a lot of guys have gone down this route where They've been strikers and they focus on one thing and and then forget about the other. Um, like I use Koscheck is the most famous example. I I, I remember um, he focused on his striking and forgot about his wrestling. But now, now I'm remembering I'm a striker. Fight stuff. 
And um, another thing as well, I used to worry so much about the takedown, but why? Why? Like, so what if I get taken down? Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously the goal's not to get taken down, but if I do, so what? I'm good on the ground. I'm good at scrambling back to my feet. And, I, and, I, and I'm out there showing that each fight, so... I feel I feel re- rejuvenated at ABT. I feel like um, my game gets better each time I come, and the results speak for themselves. I mean, just going back to what you kind of um, started off explaining about Mohamed Khalidov, you've had him in your sights for quite a while. What is it about the mystique? of Mamed Khalidov that a lot of people have kind of echoed what you've said in that he is someone that they've aspired to fight um, or a- a- aspired to be matched up again against um, when coming to KSW. What is it about Mamed Khalidov that, that that mystique that makes you feel, you know, I want to test myself against him? Yeah, he's, he's, M- Mamed's got to be the most decorated fight middleweight to, to never go to the UFC is um the 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 guys he's got wins over his star power everything like that like he's got like over a million followers on Facebook do you know what I mean like the the guy's a star I, I keep seeing in the promotion like Scott Askham versus legend Mamid Khalidov <laughs> do you know what I mean like, and, and like and, and things like this like it's, it must be a great feeling do you know what I mean like it is known as a legend, do you know what I mean? And obviously, to be the legend, you've got to beat the legend, do you know what I mean? And uh, it, it's firmly in my sights. I feel like um, when I do beat him, some people are going to be like, oh, you want to beat him back in day, this and other. L- listen, I can only beat the, the Mami Kalidoff that's in front of me. Like, I know age comes to us all and uh, he'll go out on his shield. But th- this, is, this is just the fight game, do you know what I mean? Like... Uh, when when you when when you're out in the wild and the young lion comes up against the old lion, that's that's just that, that's just how it, how it goes, isn't it? That's the circle of life. I know it's like transferred into fighting a little bit, but that that's that's just how it is. Oh, one hundred percent. You know, the intriguing thing about this fight for me is, you know, Scott, you both have faced Matella. You both have faced Luke Barnett. Now, you know where I'm going with this now. Um, always making trouble, as you know. He's beat those two in quite fast fashion in terms of the way that he dispatched them. Does that, like, play on your mind at all? Does that, like, give you any kind of, like, angst when you look at the fact that you both faced the same opponent, but yet he's dispatched them, like, with ferocity and quite quickly? Don't forget, don't forget the first time I fought with him. I, I dispatched him very, very quickly myself. Don't, don't forget that one. Let's not kid ourselves. I, 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 knew, I knew you'd bring that up, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> um, and like I said, in it, when, when I rematched Matilda the second time, I said, there's no way it possibly can go better for me. It can only go better for Matilda, do you know what I mean? Like, I was still confident I was going to win, but like, what were the odds of, of winning in dramatic fashion twice, do you know what I mean? True. So, I'm glad. I'm glad the fans got to see the second match with Matilda to see what to see what I'm more about. You know what I mean, they got to see me the whole game. They got to see me grit, the determination. Don't don't forget, I, I knocked that guy out with one hand. You know what I mean, like I I, I bust my hand up and I had surgery like three or four days later. Mm. Um, I had one hand in that third round. Um, but yeah, he dispatched the loop Barnett very fast, incredibly very fast. quickly. He's, he's explosive. He's explosive. I'm. I, I'm hundred percent not un- underestimating him. Do you know what I mean? I, I know, I know he's capable. Uh, I know he's powerful, 
but don't don't forget Luke Barnett wore his last knockout and that was in 2017. True. I've had I've been putting people away and and uh, he's been sat there retired. Um, I I, feel, I just feel it's my time. I, I, I'm I'm ready, and that, and that's that's just the way it is. And just on it being your time, just to wrap things up, um, you know what's coming next. I'm going to be asking you for a prediction. In what round? I'm guessing you're going for the finish. I, I would be very surprised, seeing as though we're looking at the new, improved Scott Askham. If you're not going for a finish, but in what round does this actually end, and how does it end for Scott Askham? Listen, I, I'm 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 not one to to go in there saying rounds. Uh, I understand how difficult it is to finish fights. And now I've said this in many interviews before. Uh, I never go out there saying I'm going to take him out in round one. I've never said that about any of my opponents. Uh, I feel I feel like uh, that's disrespectful in a way. Do you know what I mean? I know I know how hard it is to finish fights. And uh, when when people say they're going to knock me out in round one, uh, like I just feel like who are you to say that? I've never been I've never been finished. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So who are you to say you're going to knock me out in round one? And, and for the guys, he said this pretty badly anyway. Yeah. Uh, Martin Buchecki, one of them, who said he was going to knock me out in round one. Um, Mami Kalidov hasn't been finished since 2004, so it, this isn't no easy task knocking Mami Kalidov out. But believe me, I'm, I'm going in there to take him out. What round it comes uh, comes in, or whether it'll even come, I don't know. But believe me, I'll be prepared for three hard rounds, and I'll, I'll make sure I get that decision if I don't take him out. Now, I did say that was going to be the last question, but, you know, in normal and in usual fashion, it ain't. Just one final question, though. This isn't for the belt. First of all, does that, like, uh, take a little bit of polish off the fight? And secondly, why isn't he coming back to actually challenge you for the belt? And why is it at a catch weight? Well, his first excuse was he didn't want to feel like he had to defend the belt. But then I came straight at him with, you never defended the belt anyway. All, all his fight, he had, he had a fight with Boris Manakovsky at, at catchweight, and then he had two fights with Narcun at catchweight. So he, ne- he never defended the belt anyway. So I, I shot that out straight out of water, saying that was bullshit uh, because he's scared of three rounds, uh, five rounds, and um, and then in the press conference when we did the press conference, they went to him first with a question. He basically just like. It, 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 like there nothing. It, 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 he basically said everything he needed to say. So there was nothing I could really say. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he was too respectful with his answers. So there was nothing much I could really say. Like <laughs> basically saying, if I just went in with bullshit, I, just, I would have looked an idiot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but but then he basically put it onto the promoter, saying it was the promoter's idea. And so so I, I just said, look, we all know Star is. If he wanted to fight for the title, we all know he could fight for the title. Uh, this is a question for them guys, and it's as simple as that. It's a question. It's a question for them guys. We all know if Mamid wants to fight for the title, he fights for the title. He's he's the he's the star, the legend, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, so so yeah, it's it don't make a difference to me. Uh, I don't I don't I don't think it makes a difference in in the fight really. I think it's still a, a very very big fight, um, but it is what it is. Well, we are literally days away from where you actually headline. Just so that everybody knows where they can actually catch it. How can people watch this now? Yeah, so it's live on pay-per-view on kswtv.com. If you go on my Instagram, uh, Scott Askham one and um, the link's in the bio there. You can buy, you buy the pay-per-view in the, in the link and um, 
just make sure that when you when you buy it, you um, it, you have to watch it on a laptop, um, and you also you can check that you you've got the right software on the laptop to to watch before you download. So make sure you do that. Make sure you make sure you've got the right software and then download because you, you can't get a refund. So um, yeah, make sure you tune in. It's uh, it's definitely one of the biggest fights in Europe this year, and uh, I can't wait to be part of it. I also had the opportunity to speak to Michael Dubois, also on the card, about his second chance to compete under the KSW banner. Michael, where are you actually joining us from now? Where I'm trained? Yeah. I'm in, in Miami, in American Top Gym. Okay. You see, that's the baffling thing, because I was looking at your journey. You started off in Switzerland... And then you end up in uh, in France, and then you're now at ATT. Just explain to me that journey. How does that actually work? Why the the, the chop and the change? Uh, you mean from my last fight? Yes. Uh, so my last fight was a uh, short notice. Like I I knew about the fight like two or three weeks before, and I was uh, I was in Switzerland. So I brought my coach to Switzerland. Uh, my coaches actually, and uh, I made my the end of my camp. I would say uh, in Switzerland, but uh, usually in, in Geneva, where I live in Switzerland, there is nothing, uh, no place to to train, no no fighters like good enough to 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 train with, you know. So it was exceptional. But I usually always get ready abroad. Right, so you're original from Switzerland. You're originally from Switzerland, so I right? I was born and raised in France, but I, I live now in Switzerland. I have also, I'm, a, I'm also Swiss, and uh, because uh, Switzerland helped me so much uh, in my career, I, I could fight amateur, uh, all my amateur career, I, I've done it in Switzerland. I, I decided to fight for Switzerland. But uh, I was born in France and raised in France. Ah, right. So you must be rubbing your hands now that um, France has actually officially recognized and it's no longer illegal to practice MMA, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's only a flag on my shirt, though. You know what I mean? Like, I fight for for the people that that like the, the sport, for my family, my friends, you know. Uh, that's that's for who I, I fight and that's why I fight. But the flag doesn't really matter. It's just uh, you know, it's just yeah, a flag on shadow. It doesn't <laughs> doesn't really mean anything. But you must uh, feel you must feel quite um, elated now that you know, in your home, it, well, basically in your home country, um, it was frowned upon and basically it's now been recognised. As legal, you can actually practice yeah. MMA. You, they can actually hold MMA shows there. That must fill you with elation, though. Yeah, I'm happy about it. Uh, I just, uh, I just think that we lost a lot of time. But anyway, I, I, at the end of the day, I'm happy now. Uh, maybe uh, in the future, uh, KSW might do an event. Maybe even in France. I don't know. Uh, because right now, if I, you know, I, I have two more fights. Uh, I win these two fights, I want a, a title shot, you know. If we can do a title shot in my own country, it would be awesome. That would be absolutely so, spectacular. So that's, that's my goal right now, my, on short term, to get this belt and, uh, and, and, and fight in my country. Because 
all my career, my 17 fights I had were always abroad. I've never, I've never, I've always been the underdog. You know what I mean? Like, I've always been the one fighting the locals, like, no matter where it was in Kazakhstan, in Thailand, or whatever, I always the one, you know, the underdog, and uh, would be cool to, to fight in front of my people, you know? And uh, I'm happy about it. I'm happy that France changed his mind, you know? So, just on fighting in France, and uh, particularly fighting for the belt, you must have your eye on an opponent after this one. I know you're not looking past your existing opponent, but you must have your eye on, a, on an opponent that will get you towards title a title shot. Yeah, well, right now, to be honest, um, I don't know so many fighters uh, at my weight class in KSW. I know the champ. I know the guy I fought. Uh, I know some guys that are on the card uh, next week. But... Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to call, call out anyone. Uh, to be honest, I will fight anyone they put in front of me. I know that uh, I couldn't show my skills last time because of a lot of things that happened. My short notice, short notice camp, short notice fight uh, with coaches I'm not used to 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 go with like many things happen and uh my my kid born in the, in the, just before a lot of things happen in my life and uh right now I'm in the best condition I'm uh on my own in the best training camp in the world pretty much one of the best uh with the great coaches coming with me uh I could uh, train with Scott also there is uh, there is uh fighting the main event as you know yeah, uh, I feel great. I feel uh, I feel ready. Uh, the weight cut is going good, also. So, um, you know, I have nine first round finishes, and the two other finishes were in the second round. I'm someone that like to finish my fights, you know, and I truly believe that that's what's gonna happen December seventh. I mean, just on December seventh, before we get to your opponent. Fellow Frenchman on the card is Saladin yeah. Panas. Um, is that a fight that you're actually looking forward to? And does it actually give you strength to have another Frenchman on the card? Yeah, it's good. Uh, I'm happy I will be able to to talk to him a bit and uh, exchange. It's not often that, we, that I have French fighters on the, on the same card as me, so it's pretty cool. So, Magic Kowalski... Um, Kazikowski, sorry, I, I'm 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 butchering his name. I know. Man, well done, because I I can't even pronounce his <laughs> name. <laughs> now I, I'm guessing that you've been studying this man. I'm guessing that you know him inside out. I mean, what threats does he actually bring to you on on the seventh of December? Well, to be honest, I don't like watching over and over my opponents. I do watch them. One, two times just to see the style, you know, what kind of fighter. But at the end of the day, every fight is different. And uh, I, I, I think he's just a striker. He's a, maybe a little bit taller than me, but not much. Uh, he trained at HET, so I also know a few stuff about him. Because, ah. uh, I, I'm training with, uh, with guys that train with him. And... Uh, like, like I said, I don't, 
underestimate him, but he's not at the level as uh, he's not at the, at the same level. And uh, I also believe that the opponent I had before was much tougher than him. Right. Uh, I showed like twenty percent of my skills last time I fought. Uh, so this time you're gonna see the real me and uh, against uh, I would say an average fighter. He's still young. He's still he's still new in the game. You know? He has six fights only. It's not much, you know. Yeah, yeah. So so I think he's in danger right now. <laughs> I mean. Uh, just, just um, sticking with the promotion that you're with at the moment, you've obviously returned for a further um, fight. What is it about KSW that has actually enticed you, first of all, to sign with them, but secondly, to come back? Well, to be honest, right now in Europe, I would say they are the, no- the first, you know, the first, the first show, the most professional, the ones that I would say maybe pays the, the, the most. And uh, yeah, I was really really happy with the way they treat the fighters uh i've been in the best promotion also when i was in 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 asia like in china and and other countries abroad uh and uh i know how it is to treat a a fighter good i i know how how it is like my first fights were were terrible like I, I sometimes flew alone did my hands on my own and uh like i've been through really crazy crazy fights like you have no idea <laughs> and uh and then when i when it got better and i fought in the best promotion in china kunlun and, and i got a belt in, uh, in wbk like i was like i had another treatment was much better but KSW, it's even even better, I would say. For what I know in Europe, yeah, it's the best right now. And uh, they are fair also uh, with the with the, the how can I say the um, the fight the fight the fighters coming from abroad because like all the time I fight a Polish fighter. Usually, like you are used to. To get a different treatment from them but it was pretty fair and uh and uh yeah that's why i came back and i have three fights anyway with them like now i have two more fights on the contract and then i will have to make a new contract with them or or move on or move on somewhere else ah, interesting so finally in terms of how you see this going down you've already said look the last time round you weren't at maximum and in terms of percentages you weren't giving it 100 this time yeah. round how do you finish this fight considering i take it you are 100 percent. to be honest uh, i don't think he will go more than one round wow time. and uh i'm pretty sure uh i'm pretty sure i will finish with my hands on the ground and pound. I will punch him. I will punch him. I will punch the shit out of him. I will elbow his face. And uh, if if I have to take him down, if I see that I can take him down easy, I might do it. I don't know. Like I said, fight is a fight. Like so you go sometimes a lot with the feeling. Yeah. We hear many guys saying I have game plan A, B, C. Yeah, okay. 
but it can change all the time. It depends what your 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 opponent is gonna do, what he is thinking, what he is feeling. Like the game plans change all the time. So no, I believe that no matter where where the fight goes, I will be comfortable against him. Right and stronger because I, I think I'm heavier than him. Like uh-huh. I'm a bigger lightweight. So um, yeah, I, I would say one round. Only. Now finally, I caught up with. An ex-Wo TV scribe now doing big things with Bloody Elbow and something of a KSW aficionado, Scott Lagden joins me now. Scott Lagden, the man, the myth, the legend. How you doing, Mike? I'm real, real good, my brother. As you are ready and rearing to go, you're such a professional. You just come on the phone. You're just like springing into action. It's obviously uh, the, the training that you received at Woe TV that's got you in such a yeah. professional vein. Uh, yeah, yeah, I learned from the best. Learned from the best. <laughs> <laughs> so life over there at Bloody Elbow. I mean, you've been uh, cutting quite the swathe in terms of coverage, and uh, in particular European uh, mixed martial arts. I mean. Yeah. What's keeping you busy, particularly uh, over there? What's um, what what's really kind of um, got you occupied? Yeah, so recently it's been a crazy, it's a crazy last few weeks. Really, it's been so busy over here in the European scene. Um, it's mostly been uh, Bellator Europe shows the last few months. Um, obviously, there was a big Cage Warriors show last weekend as well. So we had lots of things that were written about that. Um, so yeah, the majority of our time is taken up mostly by uh, Bellator Europe and, and KSW, but uh, we, we put the occasional Cage Warriors uh, thing in there as well when uh, we think there are good stories to be told. And and that's the intriguing thing that kind of like leads me into what we are discussing this week, and that's KSW 52? Yeah, that's the one, the race, the race. The race. Now... For me, I have to say, maybe I'm slightly biased because I would say that I've been to all the major European promotions in terms of their shows around Europe. But for me, the one that stands out in terms of production values, bombacity and um, just general razzmatazz is KSW. I might ever say slightly gassed here, but I do see them as in terms of promotions in Europe as Europe's leading promotion. Uh yeah, absolutely. It has to be for me. Um, like you said, there, there is no other promotion in Europe right now that are selling out um, 10, 12, 13,000 uh, seat arenas. Um, again, like you said, the scale of production and the, the live show experience. But don't get me wrong, there are many, many, many very, very good European shows. But for me, um, considering uh, exposure they get and live, live tickets at the gate, you can't really look past KSW as number one at the minute, in my opinion. Now, one thing that I've never, ever been able to nail down or, you know, basically put my finger on. I've been to KSW in Poland. I've been to KSW in Dublin. I've been to KSW in the UK, in London. And there is one consistent theme, as you've touched upon, they sell out. And basically, it's from floor to rafter. Um, they are literally, yeah. you know, having people straining um, actually to, um, well, in terms of capacity to have people in the building. They are always a sellout show. What is it, do you think, that's got people flocking regardless of where they are, whether it be Poland, whether it be Ireland, whether it be London, flocking to their shows? Yeah, I think it's it's just how well they promote the fights. I mean, coming up to fight weeks, you always get the really, really good video packages, which always tell stories behind the fights. It says why the fights are important. Where, which gets the fans invested straight away, which I think is one thing they do. They do they do uh, phenomenally well. And, um, it's all, 
it's not always like the quality of the fighter either. Like there's, there are some guys in Kaisabu who are not the best record at all, but they're, they're, the fans over there are so invested in the characters. They, they love their stars so much. Um, that really helps as well. That's, that's, that's happening really because of the massive promotional machine uh, that Kaisabu are. So I'd like to say just one thing quickly, actually. Uh, so their 50th show in London, um, the, the, actually, that, that's the one exception. For, you know me, I, I go to most, most shows, cover most of them. But KSB 50 in London, ticket sales weren't what they'd have hoped. But I know there was a lot of, there was a lot of problems surrounding that event in the lead-up anyway. But um, I was in Croatia uh, last month for KSB 51. And uh, the, one, the thing which really struck me last month is that usually, you, you'll know this, they put on shows in, when they put on shows in Ireland and in London, usually it's still, it's still the same core Polish fans, would you agree? In, yeah, in Ireland and, definitely. Yeah, yes, absolutely. But... When I was in Croatia last month, it stuck out because it's the first international KSW show that I've been to where actually the majority of the fans there were from the Balkans, they were from Croatia. People like Pujan and Mankowski were getting were getting rooted against and booed. So I thought that was quite a big... Wow. You know, stood out, really stood out to me in, in Croatia that actually, yes, they're expanded internationally, but that, that was the first show where it drew in more than just the Polish fans. The, the, the Croatian fans are really into it and supporting their own guys. So I thought that, that was really, really worth, worth a mention as well. That is a big plot twist, because like you say, there is a contingent of people who usually turn up. I mean, typically, um, in terms of ratio, the majority are Polish fans. So that's an intriguing, that's an intriguing um, twist. That's an intriguing turn in terms of um, people actually turning up, putting bums on seats. Obviously, in Croatia, I would expect there to be a high Croatian contingent, but normally Poles do travel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, like I say, yeah, Croatia was, was yeah really amazing experience. Just just the fact that again, to, I've never ever heard. But Pujan's usually the hero; they love him. But Pujan was very a very vanilla reaction, a few boos and things. So yeah, that reached out to me in Croatia last month. I just thought, wow, this this shows that they are expanding beyond more than just the Polish fans. Now KSW um, also has a as a feature which I have to say I've not really seen replicated. Um, across the board when it comes to European promotions and that is press row is always full again just why is it that press are prepared to travel from you know the far reaches of Europe to be entertained and to actually um, create content and to interview those uh, on the roster those who are actually on the fight card what is it what's the what what do you think is a compelling reason there yes it's it's a good question Um, again I think just because as I said, because they promote because they promote the events and the shows so well, that the way that they always they usually promote a whole show around a theme. So like we've, we've had the circus, we've had the X Warriors, we've had now coming up the race. Uh, that that immediately I think just just having a theme, really simply like that, really really draws in draws in interest to see oh what's what's all this going to be about, what what production elements they're going to pull out for the race, that kind of thing. Um, and also I just think that obviously we know that in Poland. KSW are huge. They, they, they are the premier MMA brand in, in Poland. People make the joke about, oh, I train UFC, that kind of thing. In, in Poland, they literally say the same. They say, we train KSW. It is, that is MMA in Poland. So I guess because that is the dominant brand that draws in all the Polish media, I think it was KSW 49 I was at uh, back in, I think it was June time. Um, I've never seen so many media members in a press room. It was rows. We're, we're in the back, but it was rows and rows of press members. I thought I was, I was sitting there, I was thinking, "Wow, there's, there's literally it must be about fifty odd people in here." Um, so yeah, I think that's the reason why. Just again, the compelling storylines they put out, the great shows they put out, and the way how this each show always feels unique in, in, in its own way. You know, just to cap that off, in terms of um, WoTV's involvement and 
why we are always um, jumping over there when they do have a big card. I would say traction. Traction either online, whether it's um, the web page has been visited more often than they usually have, but definitely yeah. the videos as well. I mean, we used to chop up the actual weigh-ins uh, when we used to visit um, KSW shows. And, you know, they would get anything from 5, 10, 15. Some would get over 100,000 views in wow. terms of the weigh-ins. And that's just two people facing off against each other after coming yeah. off scale. So I would say traction in terms of the media that the press create, um, the content that they create is another reason which is you know it makes it such a compelling uh thing to actually visit and to report from but just talking about the forthcoming card now ksw 52 who are the runners and riders who is it that you know for our north american uh listeners who should they actually be looking out for and what are the compelling stories on the um well on the prelim portion of the card yeah, so prelims, had a little delve in earlier. Um, again, the, the prelims, or the lower down the card anyway, there's, there's nothing nothing shouts out uh, with major name value, but there are some really, really good prospects, prospects to keep an eye on. There's a there, 29-year-old Croatian heavyweight called uh, Sherdan um, Marovic. Um, only 4-0 in his career, but that's been uh, all by four first round, uh, not first round, sorry, just all, all by four KOs. So uh, here's definitely an interesting heavyweight prospect to look out for on, on, on the undercard. Also, there's... Um, Further down, uh, a bit further up the card, actually, there is a quite a big fight in the lightweight division. Um, Gregorat uh, Zulikovsky, who has fought for the title against Gamrot, uh, he competed. Um, can't remember the top header it was last month. Uh, he fought. It was one of the most notable names of KSW. So he fought Gamrot for the title, and then he think he yeah he did. He fought Marion Zulikovsky, the guy who Norman Park fought in London. So he's coming off of um, fights in two fights two quite high-profile uh, high opponents. And he is facing an undefeated guy called Shamil Musayev. Uh, he's 12-0. Uh, he's obviously undefeated. He made his KSW debut back at KSW 48, where he picked up a first-round TKO. And although it doesn't shout out as being a massive fight on the card, the uh, fight between Grigorats, Zulikovsky, and Shamil Musayev uh, could actually be quite important in the lightweight title picture, especially if Musayev makes it through. So... When we go further up the card, um, who are the runners and riders again? You know, apart from obviously the main event that we should definitely be uh, keeping an eye out. Yes, I think maybe, I think quite, I think it's uh, widely agreed. The biggest prospect in MMA on this card is without a shadow of a doubt, uh, Saladin Parnas, the, the wonder kid from France who is... The amount of uh, media traction over in France has been uh, regular, uh, really big stories in the sports magazine L'Equipe. He's getting, he's getting so much attention over there. They even compared him a while ago. He was the, um, they were calling him the equivalent to um, Mbappe, the football player. That's how highly he is thought of over in France. Wow. So I think, yeah, it's, it's rousing headlines over there. And he is, uh, definitely, he's, he's, he's facing, I think, the toughest test of his career so far. He's taken on. Um, Ivan Bushinger, absolute veteran of the of the European scene. Mm. Um, he's one of those guys, you know, if you, if you can get past Bushinger, you know, then the, the, the sky really is the limit. So I think, uh, we're, yeah, elsewhere on the card, I think everyone's got their eyes on Saladin Parnas because I think everyone's really, really intrigued to see what his ceiling is and just how far he can go in the in the promotion. And again, just for our um, well, our US listeners, it was Ivan Bushinger who Conor McGregor defeated just Absolutely. before. 
he yeah. skipped off into the sunset, o- o- into o- the sunset, into the UFC. Because he's had a very, very stellar career by his own right, but is mostly, mostly, uh, most well known for being the guy that kind of out cold to get to the UFC. Which, uh, if you look beyond that, he's actually had a very established career, career beyond that. But uh, yeah, fortunately, that's what he's most well known for, isn't it? Absolutely. Now, main event. In terms of predictions, for me, I'm rubbing my hands with glee because it's one fight which, you know, I've been trying to fan flames from uh, the time yeah. that, you know, it was hinted that it would be a possibility. The fact is, you know, um, we've got somebody who's actually coming out of retirement, lured out of retirement, um, Mamed Kaladov, a legend, I would say, around um, the KSW name, to face Luke Barnett, who, uh, Luke Barnett, to face... Um, Scott Askham, who I think t- to a large extent has had a resurgence in terms of his fight prowess. Um, a lot of people had actually written him off after yeah. coming out of the UFC and he has been on a trailblazing, I would say, frenzy uh, since joining KSW. Now, just talk me through um, why this is such a pivotal fight, why this is such an important fight, and does it actually take anything off this fight, the fact that it's not for the belt? Yeah, so first of all, I mean, yeah, you, you, you mentioned it there, Halidov is an absolutely massive, massive star in a, in Poland, his absolute icon over there. And Martin Lewandowski, the owner of KSW, said to me said to me a while back when I was looking, when I was putting an article together in the summer, that um, he believes that Mamed Haladov is a huge, huge reason as to why KSW as big as they are now. He he was he was the guy that really added uh, that, that sports credibility to the to, uh, to the company. He he was the guy who brought in who people knew were elite, who, who they knew could hang with the best in the world. Um, so that's that's the importance of Mamed Haladov um, in, in KSW. Like I said, Scott Askham is one of those guys who some people think, oh, you, you get cut from the UFC, that's it, it's the end of the world on the way down. Here's a prime example. Actually, some guys when you get cut from the UFC, actually, it's, it's elevated his stock. It's, it's made him, I think, more well, more well known than ever, really, to be honest. Um, he, like, like you said, he took out Matilda in the first round of his KSW debut. He then took out um, Martin uh, Vujic in his second KSW fight, then he took out Matilda again. So this this really, he can take out Haladov as well. He has taken out... But, Arguably the two, arguably two of the best names in the history of KSW in Michal Matella and Mamed um, Halinov. So it's, yes, it's, it's a massive, massive fight. I, I would say probably it's the biggest fight KSW put on this year. It's an absolutely, it's an absolute barn burner. Uh, yeah, that question about the title fight. I was thinking about this earlier. It's a little bit interesting because it's a catch weight, but it's only 187 pounds. And usually when it's a catch weight, it's usually quite, quite away above or in the middle between weight divisions, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was a little bit odd that. Um, it's so close. It's so close to the actual middleweight limit, but it's obviously 187 pounds. Title is not up for grabs. Um, I think may, maybe that's because, again, Kaladov's just coming out of retirement. I, I think even though he's just coming out, I can't see him having more than what two, three fights more. So um, my, my guess would be that if, if if he was to win the fight, because he is very very late on his career, maybe the promotion don't want him and maybe holding up the belt at any point. That's that's the most reasoned explanation I can come up with for why the belt is not on the line, which, yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I thought the same. You see, I'm just putting this out there, and it is very, very speculative, but I've noticed, especially in the last few fights, Kaladov's gas tank doesn't seem to lend itself to a five-rounder, which that would undoubtedly yeah, be... Yeah, good point, yeah. That would undoubtedly be if it was for the belt. So... I think that's probably why, again, I'm not going off any facts, I'm just going on speculation here, but I think that's probably why we are seeing this being a three-rounder and not for the belt. 
Yeah, very, very possible. I consider that Mike, but now you've said it, yeah, that seems very, very logical reasoning. Now, finally, um, in terms of where Scott goes after this, let's just imagine, you know, obviously we've not um, seen where Kaladov is right now, but it's worrying that he's coming off such a, a long layoff in terms of ring rust uh, quite possibly could be a factor here. But where does Scott go after this? Let's just imagine he does actually, um, you know, hold his hand up victorious and he, you know, disposes of Kaladov in spectacular fashion. Do you think that, you know, we could possibly be seeing Scott being a two-weight possibly uh, challenger or champion? Yeah, um, you're right. If, if he takes out Kaladov, there's not a lot of obvious options left in the middleweight. Like I said, he's taken out Matella twice already. If he takes out Kaladov, that's, that's another huge, huge name. Um, there is one guy, however, in middleweight division who I think could have a, a really, really good matchup against Graskum. Um, and he actually he took out Alexander Illich. So obviously, Alexander Illich is a, is a middleweight, and Damian Yanikovsky fought him uh, back earlier this year at, at the X Warriors card in in um, it was May, uh, May time. And um, Illich went viral with his question mark knockout of Yanikovsky. Oh yeah. And, um, yeah, so he, he had quite a lot he had quite a lot of momentum, but then going into the card in Croatia last month, so Illich uh, took on a Polish guy called uh, Cesare Kesic, and um, Kesic defeated Illich in the second round by submission. Um, so he really really stole Illich's momentum for himself in that one, in my opinion. So actually, I think uh, looking looking beyond uh, uh, next Saturday night for Skraskum, he's got a very very stern test. I think waiting for him is Cesare Kesic who, like I said, just took out, took out Illich, Illich in his last contest. Kesic is undefeated. He's 10-0. Um, seven of those 10 wins are by knockout. He's a very, very dangerous guy. Um, so I think he he does take out Halidov next weekend. I don't think he's quite cleaned out the middleweight division yet. I would like to see him take on Cesare Kesic first. And then if he gets through that, um, that could well then uh, trigger that move up to light heavyweight unless, unless Yanikovsky has a really, really big resurgence in the next few months. Incredible. Scott, as always, a pleasure uh, speaking to one of the rising stars in uh, UK mixed martial arts journalism. And it's just amazing just to to watch your ongoing journey. (laughs) Well, thank you, sir. You, You obviously come from good stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I learned from the best and I, I appreciate the, uh, the crack you gave me right at the very start. And um, yeah, like I said, this actually the show next weekend will mark the one year anniversary of the first ever ever May show I covered in person. So um, yeah, really, really pleased with what's happened over the year and hopefully keep on kicking on, putting in hard work. And then, and then who knows where I might leave. That about wraps up this episode of The Wocast. As usual, you can actually continue the discussion or talking points that you've heard, any of which... Um, you want to expand upon you can actually catch me on twitter if you wanted to continue the discussion at mike woe tv until next time make some trouble oh.